You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Thanks for tuning into Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's show, we have a roundtable discussion. And I put this roundtable discussion together to kind of help us process uh, our failures when we're speculating in mining stocks. And where does the blame go? What can you blame management for? What should you blame yourself for? And I'll start off by sharing an example of a, a failed 70% loss I'm sitting on right now. A loss was big enough to buy a new car, but uh, this was a private company I invested in last year. Uh, came out on the CSE, bought, bought in at a 10 cent round with a full warrant at 15 cents. Thought I was getting a good deal due to the low valuation and some success the, the management team had prior. So it goes public and then low, not much visibility, poor marketing in my opinion, nobody knew about the opportunity the way they should. And then also after it IPO and I'm reading through the prospectus because I had talked to management before it IPO and I said, are there any cheap shares? If so, what were they issued at? Who owns them? what do you do to earn the cheap shares? And I was told there wasn't any cheap shares, but then when I'm reading the prospectus post IPO, I see that before my 10 cent round closed, like two days before, they closed a one cent round for friends and family. Okay, so I wasn't happy about that. And then I reached out to management to ask them about that. Oh, Bill, it's just with insiders. You know, you would be able to see if we're selling, but because it was friends and family, some of the kids and close associates got some of that one cent paper. So after it went public with poor marketing, then we get this downward pressure and it sells down to seven cents even before the first drill results come out. And I'm like, who's selling for seven cents? Well, if you get one cent paper, you can sell for seven cents and get a 600% gain. And then when the company came back with some initial dusters, uh, sell off, I'm looking at a 70% 70, 70 loss and it, it was actually trading below cash in the bank at one point. So as I processed that after the two dusters came out, I was walking around my property just thinking about it. And the only person I was blaming was myself because one person on this call, Kerry Lutz, told me I probably put a little too much money into this early speculation. And then another person I talked to on this call, Brian Lenny said, if it's, if it's a failed investment, it's always your fault. So Brian, I'm going to kick it over to you first. We're talking to Luke Tenhav. He's a full-time investor. Brian Lenny of Junior Stock Review. He's a full-time mining investor. Luke is a mining investor. Kerry Lutz of the Financial Survival Network. He's also a lawyer and he's invested in small cap stocks for about four decades. So Brian, could you elaborate on what you've told me in a private conversation that in a failed mining investment, it's no matter what, it's always your fault. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bill. Um, I think that's that's just the the mindset that I take. Uh, when I look at the, the moves I've made and the mistakes I've made over time, I think more often than not, it, it truly has been my fault. Um, and I think by placing the, the blame on myself, I am strive to get better and uh, don't look to point fingers. Um, it's not always the case, but I, I just a perspective I've taken um, as an investor, and I think it's done me well. And Luke, when you invest in a mining cap, uh, a mining stock uh, that doesn't go well, and you have a 40, 50, 60, 70% loss, when you do an autopsy of that, are there times where you pin the blame on management and not yourself? Well, it really depends, of course, on why this company performs so badly. Um, no, I, I'm not often 
blaming the management, I guess, uh, but I'm, I'm critical to the management. So I think before you make an investment, you really need to understand all the different aspects of the company, including uh, the cheap potential cheap shares. Sometimes cheap shares is even okay if there's a good reason for it. I mean, if the company was private for, for three or four or five years and they uh, kept on funding it with their own money, and then when it went public to issue some shares to them as a sort of compensation, maybe that's still fine. So it's not always that a, a cheap share early on is, is a bad thing. Um, no, I, I always read all the news, all the insider ownership. I want to understand to the best of my ability what other shareholders are in the game and why and what is their position. And at that point, if you really, it's, it's very difficult, I think, to really get involved in a big scam if you did a, your proper homework. Well, I think often you can go back to yourself, but it doesn't mean that, that people really trying to pull a scam. Uh, of course, those people also need to have, face the consequences. Kerry, don't you think there's a difference between malicious intent on behalf of management and just pure incompetence, maybe, in running a company? There's also a thing called bad luck. <laughs> you know, everything looked good. The GFIs looked good. Everything looked good. But then when you actually drill it, bad. But going back to responsibility, the only way you can become a successful investor is by owning your failures as well as your successes. If you start playing the victim, uh, oh, I got taken advantage of all this, then you're going to fail to learn the lessons of of where you went wrong. And a lot of times it's uh, it's you for having uh, unrealistic expectations that how this stock is really going to do. Uh, you can't really anticipate the market. You could be having great drill results. And right now uh, the market will just uh, have a collective yawn about your stock. It's timing. There are things you can't control, but what you can control is when you push the buy button and you have to own that decision. That's a great point. And one of the things that I learned from that experience that I shared at the outset was when you're investing in a pre-IPO company, don't just ask management, have there any? Have there been any cheap shares issued? You have to ask them, are there going to be any cheap shares issued after I fill out this subscription agreement that I'm going to send you? Uh, Brian, when, when you look at uh, the things we gripe about uh, with management, whether it's in a chat room online or just in a conversation, what are some of the common things that you see investors complaining about regarding mining company management that perhaps they should they should they shouldn't be? Um, I think it's stuff that's kind of out of management's control, and maybe it's also my interpretation about the complaining. Uh, like a, a drop in metal price isn't necessarily or not at all related to management. Yet there seems to be a correlation when the share price drops. Um, in coordination with the metal price, um, you know, investors have to realize that when you invest in, let's say, a marginal or a company with a marginal deposit, that's you know maybe an optionality play. Um, they're probably going to be impacted more by a metal price drop, and it obviously has nothing to do with the management team. Um, 
you know, what going back to what Carrie said, you know, they have no control over assay labs or the what comes back from the assay lab. And thus, you know, you can put the drill in the right place, have all those those elements line up and still come up with an uneconomic grade or, you know, nothing at all, like a true duster. Um, and so, you know, these are things that you can't uh, blame management for. And, you know, you can do all everything right as an investor leading up to those dusters or that metal price job. Um, and still, you know, lose money. Um, so those are just factors that I think a lot of investors have to get used to and realize the risk that that's inherent with, especially, you know, the exploration companies. Luke, when you have a failed mining investment, can you kind of walk us through the process of conducting an autopsy on that failed investment and maybe use an example from the past, if you could? I've never been, well, it may be an odd thing to say in this business. Uh, I've never been really surprised when I had a failed investment because some investments or speculations are simply extremely risky. And some of them, some investments, I already know I'm expecting more from this uh, lower risk uh, play. But there are also companies where you just know this is either a great investment or it will be a complete bust. So I think, um, for example, if a company starts raising funds, uh, flow through funds, uh, and, and, they, and they know that the buyer is just there for the tax break, and you know that those shares come back after four months into the market. So maybe you got this 20 or 30% um, uh, premium on your share price in that financing. But if those shares come back into the market, it will push the price lower than before the financing. And some companies do that year after year after year. So they will never, well, they will, it will be, it's a very difficult job then to get over that share price again. Uh, I think it's better to maybe give a discount in the private placement as long as you place it with the right people. And then those people will not sell it as quickly as the other guys. Um, so sometimes you think, okay, this is not wrong. This is not, not a, a scam. It's just a way a company wants to do business. And maybe I should avoid those types of companies because they will continue to raise money from the wrong people. And that will just uh, put a cap on the share price. So those kind of things is not nothing to do with scam. It's just a way a company or a management prefers to uh, raise capital because it's easy. The money is just offered every day and they take it. And four months later, those people sell again and your share price stays where it is. The cost of capital remains very weak and you will always stay in that position. So that's also something to learn from, to to find out it's not a scam, but if this happens over and over again, then I can better choose for other types of investments. And Brian, that's something that you do, right? When you invest in a company, you watch carefully how management operates, when they buy and sell, and then you, like an elephant, remember all of that and take note, don't you? Absolutely. Um, timing is so important of everything, um, whether it's, you know, not even just how much they raise, you know, when they raise it, uh, the size of drill programs, like especially on an exploration company, that initial drill program going too small, um, I think can be really bad. Like there's a couple examples I have in my portfolio where, you know, the management team decided to kind of not necessarily rush, but, you know, do an exploration program. They, they missed on that initial uh, program, which the market didn't like, um, and the share price dropped significantly. 
and you know we ended up in a bad market and you know they have to raise more money on on the back of that whereas you know if they would have taken their time uh maybe look to do like a an expanded drill program uh maybe they would have you know they would have got past that initial four thousand meters and then you know hit something on the next four thousand um so timing matters you know it, across the board and you know some of that's incompetence uh, some of it is just bad luck um, but that's another thing. And, and for me, you know, my mistakes, uh, everything is contained in my newsletter. So not only me, but anybody that reads my stuff can see exactly where I might've made a mistake. And, um, it, like Luke was saying, I totally agree. It never really comes as a surprise. Uh, but it's, it's quite easy to find where you were maybe overly optimistic or, you know, may have, you know, in fact, missed something. Um, so yeah, that's the, 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 the process never, you know, ends in, in terms of looking at uh, where you went wrong and trying to correct that the next time. Gary, could you put on your lawyer's hat? What do you, what would you like to chime in from the lawyer's perspective at this point? Yeah, well, you know, there are three types of uh, reasons why a stock would go down. Uh, like I said, bad luck, bad management and crooked management. So crooked management uh, I believe it's the vast minority of them, but there is bad management, and that means they're running the company not necessarily for the benefit of the shareholders. I think that's easier to see, easier to detect. Um, you know, just uh, looking at the numbers, their burn rate, all these things. But in the final analysis, you're going to tr have to trust somebody if you're buying the shares. So, Due diligence, who else is recommending it? Uh, who else is helping to market it? Because uh, the marketers could uh, could be an indication of uh, an indirect indication of who the management is and where their interests really lie. And like you said, with founders shares, you know, there might be appropriate uses for it. But I always trust managements more who don't issue them who buy their shares in the market. We know who they are. Um, they're entitled, I guess, to uh, start up, but uh, the founder's shares just put, it really divorces management from the end results of their efforts, which is either, well, in most cases in the junior space, it's to uh, develop a project enough so that a major will acquire it. But, you know, we're dealing in a space that really uh, is prone to failure. Uh, 90 some odd percent will never have a mine, never have an acquisition. They'll disappear off the face of the earth and wait for the next bull market in the sector to go. So you always got to know that, uh, that you're dealing with uh, an industry that uh, specializes in failure and you've got to pick out the few golden nuggets, pun intended, the people who are going to succeed and as you indicated, Bill, like uh, it's not enough uh, if they succeeded before because they could have been on the outskirts, the periphery of the project. But, you know, the old saying, success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan. So they took responsibility for a success that they really had nothing to do with. They were just in the right place at the right time. So multiple successes really in the end is probably the best indicator. And then I'll look to see who is putting money into it. Um, if the sprots of the world, that's a, a positive, but you can't just 
follow the smart money, you got to do your own research. So I know that was a long-winded approach. I don't think there's a lot of outright corrupt managers out there, but they do exist. I think there are the people who are conflicted managements. Those are the worst ones you have to look out for. And then there's that incompetent level where they just, they're not thieves, but they just don't know what they're doing. And they're this is their first rodeo. And you don't want to necessarily be roped into somebody's first rodeo. But hey, the Ross Beatties of the world, before they before he was Ross Beattie, he was just another guy, you know, basically uh, with a company and he made good. So it's 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 hard to find those people, needless to say. I'm not saying anything profound here. Luke, um, when it comes to expiration stocks, like Kerry said, the expectation is failure. So what do you hold management accountable for? Like timelines, but as Kerry pointed out in his previous comment, you sometimes timelines are even out of their control. And I can see a lot of frustration in comments on YouTube or even in the chat rooms when I just observe what people are saying about different exploration stocks. Can you talk about what you hold management accountable for for an exploration company? And I, th I think that's also where there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding in the market sometimes because I think everything they can control, they should be able to explain at least. And because things always take longer uh, in any project, in any business, uh, there's almost no project that, that's completed in time. Uh, I think the expectation level is also sometimes completely wrong. If you're an investor and you want to invest in Greenfields, uh, exploration then and, and the company's just starting then some people expect within a year to have a drill hole or maybe even a drill discovery but in reality it often takes three to four years of field work and targeting and finding different projects and even if they found it it takes a number of years to before they can actually drill and there are a couple of good companies that i found people on the internet completely unrealistic in saying that oh this takes way too long and I don't think those people have an idea how much work it is to get to that drill ready level because just drilling it for the sake of drilling is no point. Uh, so I think there's also a lot to be learned in the investor scene, especially if you invest in these type of companies. Um, yeah, I think you can hold the company responsible for anything that's under their control and anything that they could foresee that's not under their control, but at least to act or to protect the company for it. And then Brian, when a management team has to deal with one of those uncontrollable events, whether it's a jurisdictional risk that arises that wasn't there previously or slow assay labs or the death of their lead geo, something like this. Uh, can you talk about how you analyze those situations, uh, you know, when that occurs? Uh, it's definitely situational. You know, each each thing is going to take take its own uh on path, you know, I, I would say, you know, if I, if I invest in a company and I've got my time horizon set, those things are, are obviously delays. And if there's nothing else inherently wrong with the company, in most cases, I'm going to just hold. Um, and it comes down to that confidence in the, in the people. And uh, probably those situations where that I would pull my money out, um, 
or I've got for some reason a different timeline of when I want to get that money back and possibly put it into something else um, could play into the the situation. You know what? I'll go back. Last year there was a jurisdictional. I sold the company because of jurisdictional risk, and for me, where we were in the market, I decided to sell the company because I thought my money could be put to work in an. In, I was I had a profit. Um, and I thought the money could be put somewhere else to make me more money rather than sitting. And so I decided to sell it. Um, so I have a really hard time, you know, answering that question because I was confident in management. I liked the deposit. I liked the value proposition. But in that case, I did sell because we were in that bull market. And I thought, you know what? I, I don't want to have my money stagnant. I want to keep it making money. And so I decided to sell, you know, the opposite of how I started out saying, you know, but the the most common way is if I'm confident in management, um, I usually will just hold my money there and wait for you know the the time for that you know value proposition to be recognized. But it is very situational, you know, not only just with the company but the market cycle where you are and maybe what's happening with your own portfolio. Um, you make that decision, you know, you know, based on where you are at that one time. Excellent. All right, let's go around the horn as we conclude with final thoughts. Kerry, would you like to share yours in light of what we've talked about? Sure thing. So you're dealing with uncertainty and you're dealing with things that you can't possibly know and you're always relying on people. So it's who do you trust? Because you're not going to be there at the project as they're drilling and as they're picking drill targets or in their in their office where they figure this stuff out so you got to figure out the people who you believe have the inside track to anything you're doing and see if you can get a consensus out of them i like to look at half a dozen different people see what they're doing and uh, and beware of uh, of things that sound too good to be true because invariably they are Luke, final thoughts? Yeah, I think it's almost always uh, possible to avoid being involved in a scam because like um, like we talked about before, people are very important. And if you can just find a track record of someone, just knowing those people are involved in, in legitimate companies is already one thing. And then just call them, talk to them, not once, but a couple of times investigate the way they raise money, investigate the, the way they uh, bring news, how they promote or maybe not promote. If you have the full picture of the history of the company and of the people and maybe of the project, it's very difficult to be to be stuck in a scam, like a bridge mark type scam, for example. Um, but then, of course, there are lots of other risks you have to consider. But to really be, get involved in that, it's, um, I think, good work will avoid you getting in that position. Brian, final thoughts? Um, you know, I, I think anybody who's watching this and wants a, a takeaway or they're looking for a rule of thumb, I don't really think you're going to find it. I think that every situation is different and it's having a solid education on all those different factors that go into analyzing a company. Um, and like I said, you know, perfect example of how I flip-flopped on that last question because I've done I've done both. Um, so each situation is different. You need a solid knowledge in each of the, the different components of analyzing a mining stock. Um, so you do as much as you can to educate yourself and then treat each situation um, on its own. Gentlemen, I really appreciate you contributing to the show and sharing your insights today. And my final talking point is what I started off with. 
what Brian told me that if you have a failed mining investment, it's always your fault. And you could say, well, no, but the management did this, this or that wrong. They may have done it wrong, but you have to take, you can only control yourself. You can't control anybody else in this life, but you can fully can control yourself. And if you take that perspective, then when you do the autopsy, when you analyze why the investment went wrong, you'll learn from it, add to your discernment and improve your probability of success in the future. So we wish you the best of success. Thanks for listening and uh, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.